the fact that uh, he doesn't give and entrust his words and his wisdom with only a select few. He actually, his words and wisdom are for all of us and they really are everywhere around us and they are ours for the taking. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Otherwise podcast. Uh, This is a place for gathering wise conversations on living well along the journey with Jesus. My name is Casey Tigert. I'm your host. And today we're talking with a new friend of mine, Liz Diddy, D-I-T-T-Y. Liz and I met at the Festival of Faith and Writing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Shout out to the Mitten. Uh, And her new book just came out, is just coming out, actually, August 21st. It's called God's Many Voices, Learning to Listen and Expectant to Hear. Uh, Liz is a teaching pastor at a church in San Francisco called Westgate. They are a multi-site, multi-denomination, or a non-denominational multi-site church. Multi, yeah, I got that right. Yeah. And uh, she's also done some preaching and teaching other places. She is also a licensed spiritual director, as am I, uh, through a group called Sustainable Faith, uh, based in Indianapolis. And so, She's got a lot of wisdom to offer. Uh, one of the key stories she's going to tell is about growing up in a, in a religious, in a Christian cult. Uh, she's also going to tell stories about uh, her work as a spiritual director and also about uh, how she got to the point of coming out of a really unhealthy Christian background and into a very healthy, grace-filled kind of background. So I know you're going to love it, so I'm going to stop talking and introduce you to my new friend, Liz Diddy. Liz, welcome. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, Casey, it's great to be here. So you are today crashing in a friend's guest room as you talk to me, which is pretty amazing because people think podcasts happen like every NPR podcast where, you know, you're in a studio and there's, you know, there's, it's surrounded by egg crate walls and all that stuff. But this is more reality. This is, I'm, I kind of squatted in a spot, you squatted in a spot. So I had to um, move a rubber ducky off the couch before I sat down. (laughs) So I guess we're just pulling the curtain back on that one. Yes. You have a, you know, you have an audience watching you, a rubber ducky audience. So well, I appreciate you being here. And so with with every guest, with every conversation I get to have, I love to ask this question at the beginning, which is if you if you had to start, and I always say start because, you know, we don't want to do the exhaustive uh, full, this is my statement on it forever. But uh, if, if you were going to start giving a definition of wisdom, where and how would you begin with that? Yeah, wisdom. It's what is wisdom? It's sort of like what is love? It's so big, um, and in in some ways, I actually think that the answer is really similar. I think wisdom is the presence of God in our world, um, sort of threaded uh, through so much of our life and our earth. Um, it's truth that's calling out to us, um, that, that we can hear crying to us from the gates um, with guidance and, um, and, and wisdom for how to live and who to be and the secrets of our universe. It's the, so what I'm hearing in you, and I I think this is, this is powerful, which is the connecting point between not only uh, something divine, there's something intangible, something beyond us, 
but there's also something very gritty and practical, the how to live, but it's also this, this thing that calls to us. Talk about how you've experienced that in your own, in your own life. How have you seen the intersection between those two things? Yeah, well, I think the thing that's interesting about wisdom is that uh, unexpected people can tap into it, right? Like, haven't you ever noticed that sometimes um, children or people who, uh, savvy people who um, are either incredibly successful in the business world or incredibly successful at surviving under a bridge, somehow tap into this, um, this truth about the way that humanity works and the truth of who God is, sometimes without even recognizing it. Um, and, and so I, I've seen wisdom in my own life, and I've heard truth call to me, but more often I've been surprised when I see other people uh, who have made beautiful decisions or been incredibly successful at peeling back something true or interesting about, um, relationships and people. And, um, and it just, it just shows this sort of thread that is, that is invisible that we don't always see. Yeah. And you're a spiritual director. So I can hear some of the, there's the idea of truth being revealed and layers being pulled back, which is a lot of, a lot of the tool work of spiritual direction is helping other people see that, helping other people peel back the layers that um, that have been stacked up on top of the things that are real and legitimate and authentic and true. Uh, we, I don't know if you know this, this might be a shocker, but we live in a culture right now that's sort of dealing with the idea of truth and what is true and what is fake, what is believable, what is not, what is spin and what is accurate. Um, you have a unique story uh, specifically the, the church background that you came from. And it has a lot to do with this idea of pulling back the veil of what is real and what is true. And also the sense of a voice calling, would you help, help people listening? Would you walk them through a little bit of your, of your story? Yeah. So, um, stepping away from any of the political jargon about spin or news or anything like that. I just, in my, in my own story, um, you know, I was born into, um, a false understanding of God and, um, I was born as the daughter of an elder at a fundamentalist Christian cult, um, that was, uh, you know, not, not cultic in some of the ways that you would think of. There weren't compounds, um, you know, no one committed suicide that I know of. Um, but there was a very definite authority structure and um, the elders as the authority of the church had purview into um, basically every decision in your life. Um, and the authority structure was very strict and carried down through even to the personal relationship level. Um, it was uh, a culture of hyper-submission for women. And so in that context, women were silent at all gatherings of the church and also uh, were head coverings um, or veils at all worship gatherings and um, any time that they were praying. 
So even at home, um, if you were doing your um, quiet time in the morning or if you were godly and prayed more during the day, then you would wear your head covering more often. Um, And so, you know, clearly there was a lot of uh, misinformation about, uh, um, gosh, relationships, marriage, um, forget about sexuality. But beyond that, it was also, um, you know, to enforce the strict authority structure that we as the leaders have been given this authority by God to be shepherds over his flock. And we have been given the words of God and the wisdom of God. Um, So you can trust us or must trust us to be the hands and feet and voice of God in your life. And, um, and that voice of God was, um, gosh, it was, you know, legalistic doesn't even begin to touch it. Uh, it was impossible to please. It was, um, an authority that lorded itself over and, um, and it was a final authority that didn't leave a lot of room for freedom which is just about the exact opposite of everything that Christ and grace is. Um, This beauty um, of Christ, not just his love and his grace, but this invitation to freedom that he, that he invites us to and to this intimacy of relationship. And, and, the fact that uh, he doesn't give and entrust his words and his wisdom with only a select few. He actually, his words and wisdom are for all of us and they really are everywhere around us and they are ours for the taking. Um, there's not this strict boundary line for only those who are smart or only those who have a title or have been to seminary or, um, you know, are particularly disciplined. Um, it's, it's not that like the, every, every veil has been torn, every wall has come down. And I had no idea that his words and his wisdom were all around me um, and that he was speaking to me and that I didn't need someone to tell me who to marry or what to study in college or whether or not to talk to my grandparents, um, that I could trust the goodness and the wisdom and the voice of God in my own life, in my own ears, in my own experience, um, without having it filtered through someone else. And, um, and that was a huge journey that I took in my early 20s as I left that church, um, even as my family stayed. And, um, and I have just been learning and stumbling um, as, I, as I try to figure out how to recognize and trust that voice um, that, that truly is God's and to really take my questions about who He is and, and why the world works the way it does straight to Him. Um, and that journey is sort of what ended up, you know, over a decade later, as I've figured some of those questions out, um, has led me to, um, to publish God's Many Voices, which is um, 
out now and, um, and really talks about just how each of us can hear God's voice and wisdom. He wants to talk to us. Um, and there are many unexpected ways that he desires to speak to us, no matter what misinformation um, we've been given about who he is, no matter what doubts that we carry, we can have that conversation directly with him. Yeah. You, it's interesting. A lot of the language you've used to talk, to talk about this chapter in your life that was uh, very rigid and oppressive and controlling and structured, highly structured to preserve the structure. Uh, and then also the resulting relationship of, of freedom and intimacy that you have with God. A lot of the language is, is very subjective, and it should be, because that's how you talk about experience. Um, but at the same time, I know there are probably people who are in structures. So when you moved from the church structure you grew up in to where you are now, how did that evolve? Because so much of those beliefs about the role of women, about um, the certain ways of reading the scriptures, a lot of those things are so deep. What was it that helped to uh, open those up, shift them, change them? Because really what we're talking about is, is a battle between um, information, ideas, and truth versus experience. So you, you know you're in this system and you're having this experience like, this feels so heavy, but at the same time, the, the truth, your truth, quote unquote, that you're being given is, no, this is the way it's supposed to be. How did, you, how did those two things begin to shift for you to allow you to move away from that? Yeah, I guess I don't necessarily see it as a dichotomy between information and experience. Um, you know, I, I tell a little bit more of the story in the beginning of the book, but it was actually information that saved me. <laughs> mm. um, it was having access um, to other information other than, you know, the books and the teaching of the church that I grew up in. I went to Christian college and um, I got a you know, through strange circumstance, I got a job as the librarian's assistant. And I think this is one of the reasons why I have an intense love for words and for books and for ideas is because of the way that they opened up my own world. Um, and I think, you know, we, we all need to open up the world for one another. Uh, but it was, it was literally in commentaries and, um, and theology books and Christian classics um, that I started to understand um, just end times theology and um, the passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that talks about head covering and what different commentators had to say about that, that there wasn't just one way to look at it. If you read that passage in the, um, just the English translation of the Bible, it actually says, um, women are to cover their heads while praying or prophesying. And if anyone has a problem with this, we have like no other way, neither does any other church of God. Like there's this very ridiculously final statement of Paul. And it is not hard for someone to misunderstand that passage if they just read the words on the page, especially if they have someone saying, obviously look at these words on the page. Paul is saying that 
women must cover their heads and there is no other way in the church to do it. And when you're sort of like, well, it doesn't seem like a lot of other women cover their heads, even who are in Christian, you know, Christian women and Christian churches, then it's, well, we have no other way and neither does any of the church of God. And we are the true believers and the most devout and the ones who most stick to the Bible. And so that is not information. That is actually the subjective spin. The real information is, you know, the, the more in-depth study of what that passage is, not only in the context of, um, of the letters of the New Testament, but also the culture of that time. And you don't get that unless you dig a little bit deeper. So for me, it, it actually was information that saved me. And the idea that just because someone has pointed to words on the page doesn't mean it's biblical, doesn't mean yeah. it's the words of God. That is actually their experience, their subjective view. And, um, and so in, in that way, um, the Bible, I think some people get to that point and, and then the Bible becomes um, like, is this thing even trustworthy? If people can read it so many different ways, if people can misuse it, if people can misquote it. Um, I listened to a very disturbing interview with a Ku Klux Klan member quoting scripture. Um, and at that point, it's like, well, why don't we just throw this stinking thing out? Like, what good is it anyway, if, if that's how people are going to use it? But the, the beauty of it is that this, these words and this wisdom um, is an invitation to not take it at face value, but to really dig in and engage with the text. Um, and and that, those words of God are what really lead us into our further conversations with Him. And so, you know, when I talk about you know, hearing God speak to us in the sunset. It's not just going out and looking at the sunset. It's the same way that David heard God speak to him in the sunset and and wrote an entire psalm about it. And it's being grounded in those words of the psalms, being grounded in the reality and the truth of who God is, um, at least as much as it has been revealed to us. Um, And then with that inside of us, looking at the sun, um, and and seeing and hearing something fresh that God might have for us. Um, so although a lot of listening for God's voice might sound experiential or subjective, it's really has to be rooted in good theology and good understanding of his words that have been faithfully passed down to us through Christian tradition. Yeah. I, I think some of that too is that we often, it, it's not only how we go about doing information versus experience, but it's also uh, what we believe scripture is actually doing and what it's actually for, um, which is, you know, it won't, it won't surprise anybody that I think a lot of what scripture is up to is teaching us how to be wise, which is not having the right answer, but is knowing in this particular moment, what do we do? And is this the moment where we, you know, you hear stories. So I'm sure you're hearing this anytime you write a book on something like listening to the voice of God, you also hear some of these stories of people who said, well, God asked me to do this. And it turns out to be something incredibly either, either unwise 
or in in extreme cases, criminal or otherwise. Um, and so I love that you quote in the, in, there's a quote in the book that says, you say, God meets us in our own skin. And I, I love that because I've always talked about always, maybe for the last six months. So yeah, always technically, um, how really spiritual formation is learning to live in our own skin. And I, so when I heard you say that, I was like, well, I, at least there's two of us who think that, um, but there is something very personal and very grounded. So when you talk about listening to, for God and listening to God, how do you navigate those questions of, you know, people will ask me this, and I'm sure they've asked you this before. I think it might be God speaking, or it could just be something I ate yesterday. So how do you how do you help them navigate that? It sounds like scripture might be one piece, but how do, how do you help people navigate whether they're actually hearing God or or something else? Yeah, no, discernment is a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I of all people know people who say that God told them things that were completely ridiculous. Um, you know, uh, I, I, that was my world for the first 20 years of my life. I have a huge suspicion of people who told me that God has told them to do something. Um, well, I should say I used to have a huge suspicion, um, now that I've um, engaged in more um, contemplative practices and have become, um, uh, have walked through the journey of becoming a spiritual director and accompanying people on their journeys, uh, I've learned to suspend judgment a little bit better. Um, but that said, um, it is very important that we do not throw around um, God's voice lightly. Um, people will love, 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 love divine approval of just whatever they want. Um, and there are more than one voices in our head. Uh, we have our own voice. We have um, the voices and the tapes of other people in our past. Uh, we have um, the voice of the enemy and of darkness. There are, there are so many voices and influences on our thoughts and our mind. Um, everyone is at war for that part of who we are. Uh, and the problem is that um, the only thing worse than people hearing God say the wrong thing is no one listening for God at all. We, we almost have to rewind this and say, remember that time that Pentecost happened? Remember when Jesus left and he told his disciples his spirit was coming, not to worry because his spirit was coming. Um, and, and then the Holy Spirit came. Uh, and, and remember how Paul says that that spirit is still with us and that we as the church are temples who carry that spirit individually and also collectively as the church. Um, what is that Holy Spirit for? I mean, the fruits of the Spirit are, you know, love, kindness, peace, joy. Are, is the Holy Spirit just supposed to be like our little like secret signet ring stamp that like people can tell that we're Christians or, you know, something like that? Like the Holy Spirit is a mighty rushing wind. It's a flame. It's a force. It's powerful. And it is not, it didn't just come to like live in our heart and just sit there silently. Um, the Holy Spirit leads us towards wisdom. It leads us towards God. It, it helps us to pray. It um, guides us towards one another. Um, and if we, uh, if we 
for one moment think that God is silent, like what do we think his Holy Spirit is doing? So, so if we say, okay, if we, let's go back to the beginning, if we actually have an understanding of who God says that he is and what he says he's doing in our world right now, we have to believe that he is here and that he is actively involved and actively speaking. So we can hear him. So if we start from the fact that we can hear him, that there is a voice of his that we can hear, then we can learn how to listen. And listening is part noticing and part recognizing. For a lot of us, it's the beginning to notice that will actually help us with the recognizing. Because the more that we notice God's voice, um, the scripture is just a great place to start because it's so reliably God's voice, especially when we're in the gospels and we really get to see the character of Jesus. You know, if I, if I came on this podcast as a, um, you know, Liz Diddy impersonator, you probably wouldn't know, Casey, because we only met once at a conference and um, I'm, I'm sure that I could, you know, fool you. But if I came on this podcast pretending to be your mom, like, you'd probably figure it out pretty quickly. And so... Um, you know, the more that we notice God, the more that we get to know who He is through His Scripture, through, um, you know, through other ways, through good teachers, through one another, then the easier it is when a word comes, you know, and God tells you that um, the one for you is not actually your wife, it's your secretary, then suddenly it's kind of gets a little bit easier to recognize, you know what, that actually doesn't really sound like something He would say. Um, and so, um, one of the, the, the keys to our, our discernment is just to get out there and start to do the work of noticing and looking for God and listening for Him and having trusted people um, help us to understand what we're seeing and what we're noticing in, in the scriptures and in our lives. And, um, and then um, on that, you know, discernment starts to build as that familiarity builds. Um, and of course, you know, there, there is the concrete truth of the scripture and there is the wisdom that is embedded in our communities that also helps us with that discernment piece. Yeah. You talked about contemplative you use that word and the word discernment. And in your book, you talk about, uh, we've talked a lot about very tangible ways that God speaks. Uh, but we, you also talk a lot about silence. You talk about how silence is the ongoing conversation between God and man with its own purpose. And so as a, as a spiritual director, uh, and as someone who has taken steps, and I, and I have too, and just been blessed by, uh, blessed maybe too churchy of a word, but maybe deepened and enriched by the idea, by what contemplative practices are. Talk about how those, those practice, that idea of contemplation has moved you into this place of being able to say, yeah, you know, hearing from God is not just the scriptures, which are very tangible and very definite and hearing God speak or lead or guide into wisdom. But there's also this aspect of silence. Where's that, where's that tandem of contemplation and silence for you? Yeah. So such a good question. I think I can remember uh, being taught about God's will when I was younger 
And uh, that's about as close as I got to the idea that I could hear God's voice is that God's will, God had a will for my life um, and I could figure out what it was. Um, and, and there were like steps to figuring out God's will for my life. And the first one was basically to be perfect. Like, <laughs> you know, God's, you know, not really going to bother with telling me his will or with um, having a good plan for my life if I'm just messing around and, you know, not sort of pursuing sanctification or, you know, speak about churchy words. There were a lot of them. Um but just the idea that basically I needed to have a sinless life um, or as close as it, as I could get to it. And then, you know, then after that, then, you know, I could look for doors that open and, um, and after that, and, you know, anyway, so there's just these multiple sort of steps towards God's will. And in the end, as I'm on this journey to go through steps one through four, whatever, um, the ultimate goal is that I will know God's will for my life. I will have that certainty and that certainty feels something like control. Um, and I, I can know that it's not my will for my life. It's God's will for my life. And that means that I'll also be incredibly successful and, um, you know, and if I'm not successful here, I will be super successful in heaven, you know, if he wants me to be a missionary or something like that. Um, God's voice, I think silence is one of the things that calls us out of the formulas. That this isn't us following the four-step process to hear God's voice, to hear what he has to say to us, to unlock the mystical, universal, cosmic wisdom that he has for us. Um, he's not you know, he doesn't bark on command. Um, he isn't, um, he isn't like a fortune teller who's got some, you know, mystic thing, just like a crazy weird thing to say to us. Silence is, I think one of the, is a part of a normal conversation in the context of a normal relationship. When you have a relationship with somebody and you are actually opening yourself to that person and they're opening themselves to you and you are building intimacy with one another. Of course, you know, it starts with the first date, you know, excitement. It starts with the disclosure of information. You start to move then towards sharing more opinions and feelings and ideas. Um, and at some point, you know, if you've, if you've gotten to the point of being in a relationship with someone where you can sit on the couch in your pajama pants and throw popcorn at each other and not say a word like you have arrived right um and it's something like that with god where you know we we start by learning a lot about him by getting being at this information level we move to having more understanding and more experiences and then there are times where we have to be comfortable and trust him in the silence, to trust the intimacy that we have, to trust his goodness and his promise to be with us, even when we don't feel that, into that, that we can hear God in both his speaking and his silence, and to be comfortable with him in both his speaking and his silence, and to expect both his speaking and his silence to be part of our ongoing relationship with him. 
so, so when a person, so much of, of what we're talking about is contingent on um, a deep trust in some very specific things, namely, uh, we've talked about scripture, we've talked about that God is present and can be heard and wants to be heard. Um, for a person who is at a point where they are entering into what St. John on the Cross calls the dark night of the senses or the dark mm-hmm. night of the soul, where they feel this wasteland, this wilderness, this desert kind of experience, uh, which is, I'm quick to always say, that's a natural part of spiritual growth and maturity is at some point we will lose what's called the Jesus buzz and that tingly feeling uh, isn't always there. And then we enter into this space of learning to trust God for who he is, not because of what he does for us. Uh, If anybody is listening and they want to explore this, St. Bernard has this thing called the four loves and he talks about the different kinds of love. And as we grow in our relationship with God, those change. So for you writing about listening for God's voice and and the different ways God speaks to us. Talk about how you would, you would bring this to a person who's at that spot of saying, yeah, I appreciate that. My relationship with scripture right now is not so solid. Um, I am in a spot where I don't believe the things I used to believe, like whether or not a big fish swallowed a guy is not as important to me as it used to be. Uh, how do you, how do you enter into those spots and have those conversations about hearing from God, even when God seems distant or, um, or the way we've believed in God, uh, has shifted. And now it's like, well, who exactly is it that I'm hearing from at this point? Yeah. Wow. There's... There's, there's a lot there. I should have prepped you ahead of time for that. No, you know, it's it's more like where to start. Um, So I, I, there, I talk to people all the time and I'm sure you do too, who just tell me that their relationship with the scripture is, is not okay. And that their relationship with the church is feeling really awkward and broken right now. Um, And man, you know, not to keep going back to the beginning, but I know what it's like to have a broken relationship with the church and a broken relationship with scripture um, and to struggle with trust in those areas. Uh, And my first question to them is just, what is your relationship with God like? You know, not not Jonah and the whale, not um, the pastor who had an affair, not, you know, and not whatever in the news. What is your, what is your sense of God right now? And if it, if, if it is sort of a, a silent time, a wilderness time, like, let's remember what senses of God we've had before. And to go back, like, what, what have you known about God to be true? Um, and I think a lot of us can point to times, and even if we doubt their authenticity now, um, we can point to times where we have seen or experienced or felt God um, calling us or inviting us to something. And we may have gotten a bit off track. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we might have started to shape this understanding of who God was or who Christ was um, that's a little broken. And in some cases, when our relationship with God is broken, it's an invitation for us to recognize the the false stories that we're telling ourselves about who he is and that maybe it's our relationship with him that's broken and not him. 
um, he is always whole, always perfect, always there, and always loving, kind, and patient. He wants to be found. And um, if, if, we're, if we're seeking him through that silence, through that wilderness, he will be on the other end. And nothing that he invites us to or leads us through is without a purpose or without a redemptive value in ultimately in our story with him and in our understanding of him. That's like the short answer. I'm hoping there's going to be, you're going to have another book on that coming out later that will fully explicate all that stuff. And so that none of us have to talk about it anymore. We can just buy your book and read it and then we'll be fine. So, well, but you know what the thing is, I, um, I was just reading, uh, you've, you've written books. So, you know, Casey, when you come across something after your book is like at the printer and you're like, ah, I want to put that in there. Um, uh, I, I was just reading um, Frederick Buechner the other day, and he had this brilliant quote that I'll, I'll misquote now because I'm only half remembering it, but he said something like, all of God's words are incarnational, and they are meant for each of us to hear, to like to notice, to hear, and to understand on our own. And so I can't write a book about um, the words that God has for you because I don't know what they are. I can't, mm. I can't be that um, shocking sunset. I can't be that, you know, sock on the floor. I can't be whatever it is that God's going to use to specifically get your attention and call your attention to yourself or to Him. But what I can do is, um, is remind you that he is getting your attention if you stop to notice, um, that he is saying something to you, that you can hear it, you can understand it, it is just for you. And that journey to hearing it and understanding it is part of the wisdom itself. Um, and I already wrote that book and you can buy it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, speak with so much clarity on something that I think is one of the key questions for people who are people of faith or followers of Jesus or whatever language they want to use. You do speak with so much clarity on that. It sounds as if it's it's welded to a very deep place in you. And so I'm assuming that that is, you're, you're speaking of these things, and I, I'm not assuming because I don't know, I'm, I believe that this is what's happening, is you're speaking to it from a place that's very deep within. As a as a person who's involved in a local church deeply and who serves a community of people who are gathered. And it seems like right now, and maybe this has always been the case, I'm always wrestling with whether or not this is reality as it always has been. And now it's just more projected because we're so connected to each other through social media. But the church is in the local church, Big C, uh, in the U.S. and I think in other countries too, is at a very interesting moment. Uh, trying to discover what we're about, trying to discover how uh, a shifting generation's values begin to change who we are. Uh, the things that built the megachurches of the last 30 years probably will not sustain them for the next 30. 
And so there's a there's a desire for a bigger vision and, and a wiser vision. How do you bring that stuff that's welded deep in you about hearing from God, knowing that he's inviting you and he's uh, welcoming you? How do you bring that into a church that is a big C church that's really right now trying to rediscover its identity and its trajectory for the future? Well, I I actually, um, I believe now is just the perfect time. Like, like these are, as, as we're trying to discover this thing. So I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm on the teaching team of our church and I'm a spiritual director. So I also do some, just meet with people. Um, so I, I, I talk with people and I, I talk to people, um, from up front, but I'm not a pastor. I'm, I'm not in on like all of the, you know, conferences about church trends and generational trends and all of that stuff. Although I overhear conversations, but I, I think the the thing is it, it just boils down to the most simple thing, right? It's, it's not about the big movements or the big um, church culture, or um, I think we can just all get lost in that. When, when, Christ, you know, um, like Christ loves the church. He, um, Christ has a special place for the church in eternity. We're all part of the church. Um, and in some ways, uh, you know, we've, we've, the individual faith has, um, uh, where I think has kept us in some ways from embracing the communal life of the church as we were designed to do it. But the same way that God has a um, a plan and a dream and a vision of who we are and who we could become, He has that for His church. It actually it amazes me how much He lets us mess up. But at the same time, uh, just because He lets us mess up doesn't mean that He has lost His vision doesn't mean that he isn't calling us to formation, doesn't mean that he isn't testing our character. Um, you know, just the way that, um, the, the way that we find ourselves in crises now, I think is going to push our understanding of the trite answers that we've given before. It's going to push us to notice the way that our, our character, both as individuals and as a community, is coming to the surface. And maybe some of it is dross that needs to be taken away. And maybe some of it is gold that the world desperately needs. Um, but whatever it is, we need God's words and God's wisdom to speak to us more than ever before. We don't need to be smarter. We don't need more surveys. We don't need, um, you know, more business strategies. We need God's wisdom. We need a call back to faithful obedience as individuals who are praying for one another and for our church in a way that our church can pray together for God to guide us into how to love our world right now and the chaos that is around us. And if we can be a community of people who love Jesus, loving our world together, we do not need to worry about generational shifts. Mm. Man, that's good. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because I, 
I don't know. I think we're we're having so many different conversations at once. That's there's a lot of clarity in what you just had to say. So somebody reading your book, it, may they listen to this podcast and there there's a compelling there's something that's driving them. They really want to to read what you've written. Is there something that you is there a gift you feel like you would love for them to have after reading your book? What's the thing that you want them to walk away with? And you've said all this stuff in the foreword, but before they get to the forward, what's the what's the thing that you want them to step away from and carry with them after reading what you've written? You know, I've already gotten feedback from early readers, which uh, has been so encouraging. And my my favorite thing for them to say is, I just didn't really think about it. Like I I've realized that. Um, as soon as I start to look for it and I start to notice, I've noticed it. I've just noticed God's goodness and his beauty in my life in a different way. And when they do that, almost all of them have said, and I like, you're not supposed to give advanced reader copies away. FYI, Casey, since you have one in your hand. I've had to slap a lot of wrists because everyone keeps giving their books away um, because they want their friends to read it and they want their friend to, um, they want to start these conversations. And so um, anyways, I, I haven't actually been angry. I just haven't told my publisher. So hopefully they're not listening to this. Buy the book. If you got it for free or you got it handed to you, buy the book. Um, but, um, but I love that people are not only um, like looking at their world in a fresh way, um, and starting their own personal conversations with God, but also starting these conversations with each other. Yeah. Well, thank you for writing. Thank you for just opening up all your passion today. Thanks for this gift that you're giving us. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. It's been really good. Yeah, so fun. Thanks, Casey. I really appreciate it. Okay. And um, fun to get to chat with you and with your tribe today. Yeah, thank you so much. It was really good to spend that time talking with Liz. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Her book, as I said, releases on the 21st of August. So if you're listening to this on the 20th, which you might be, uh, you can go ahead and pre-order that. The link is included in the notes for the show. If you're, lis- if you're listening on the 21st, oh goodness, do Liz a favor and buy it today. Uh, because I don't know if you know this or not, but if you buy an author's book on the day that it launches on Amazon, uh, it is a huge boost to them and also to the profile of the book. And I think you will enjoy uh, reading this. And as you heard from her conversation, she has a wealth of experience and she pulls that out in the book. So uh, if thanks for listening. If you're a subscriber, thank you so, so very much. If you are streaming on the website, thank you for that as well. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, go to iTunes and rate or review, rate and review if you'd like uh, the podcast and share it with somebody you think might enjoy it. Uh, I'm having fun doing it and I hope you're having fun listening. So until next time, be well, live wisely. Peace, friends.